this morning we're going to come to a familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is the most preached sermon in that Jesus ever preached. So I'm going to preach a sermon of somebody else's. Jesus preached it. And I'm going to try to preach his sermon, but I will not do as good as he did. Um, but this is the Sermon on the Mount. And the Lord here uses two powerful words to describe his people. And uh, he calls us both salt and he calls us light, okay? Salt and light. And we understand that. And um, so let's read our passage of Scripture. Let's just read verse 14, 15, 16 if we could. And you may stand and reverence the Word of God if you'd like to. And we can reverence it. And I'm thankful for that. The Bible says in verse 14 of Matthew chapter number 5, the Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, remember what I said earlier, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see you, your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Could God get a little bit more sound on these monitors, please? And you may be seated. Thank you for standing, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you, God, for all that you've done. And we ask you, dear God, to just please help us this morning, Lord, to be able to worship you and to be able to um, give your word rightly divided truth. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us in every way. We'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, uh, God, the Lord gives us this in his sermon on the mount as he gives it. And he, and he calls us, he calls Actually, the Jews of that day, he calls them, he calls them salt uh, and he calls them light. Is that right? And so he says, ye are the salt of the earth. Uh, and if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salt? And it is good for nothing to be cast under foot and trodden under the foot of men. And so that's what it is. And he gives that. And so we have preached on the salt before, but I've never preached on the light before. And so we understood that the salt and how it is necessary in a life. And both are necessary in your life too, by the way. Uh, and both are. Uh, but we can look at it. And remember I said that salt, it, it preserves. Uh, salt rubbed on, we're just going to give a little overview. Salt rubbed on meat uh, or something along those lines and placed into the freezer will preserve it for a longer period of time. Uh, and so uh, I believe this world has stayed where it is because of God's salty Christians, uh, His people who have been salty and lived the life of saltiness in this world. And then, uh, not only is salt preserved, but salt penetrates. Uh, if you were to look up salt and think about it, salt will infiltrate anything that it touches. Uh, it is an aggressive substance is what salt is. Uh, and so Acts chapter 17 tells us uh, um, that these that have turned uh, the world upside down, uh, um, them preachers had come through and they had preached the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and turned the whole world upside down. Uh, and the child of God ought to be that 
that weapon. Uh, we ought to go out and turn this world upside down with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about being mad about it. I'm talking about going uh, and sharing it and make a difference in this world. It penetrates. Uh, salt purifies. Uh, now we understand, put salt on the ursul, or ulcer, uh, um, it, it cleans it up, and it, but, it, but it also clears it up. Uh, we understand that you put salt on a wound and it actually clean the wound. It'll hurt like crazy, but it will clean the wound. And so um, we ought to be different. And we ought to put people, uh, um, uh, we ought to be different than the people around us. Yeah. Purifies. We ought to change, it, change the people around us by our actions. I tell you the truth, there's people at work that cuss, but they don't, they don't much like cussing around me. I mean, I just tell them. I say, listen, I don't like to hear that, buddy. I appreciate it. And now, you know what they do? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the language. I'm sorry for the They'll say something. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not saying just me, but it'll be you too. Salt poisons. You ever pour salt on a slug? You ever put salt on the grass? <laughs> don't do it again. Yeah, you put salt on the grass, it'll kill it. You find there were Abimelech and judges. Abimelech threw it and killed a whole crop. He killed a whole crop with salt. Just telling you, I'm just telling you, salt, salt absolutely uh, poisons some things. It does, and some things will be put to death when salty Christians invade a community and revival sweeps through. Things will be put to death. You know, after the Welsh Revival, if you read some books on the Welsh Revival, you know, after they said after the Welsh Revival, they had to retrain their mules because they taught them in cuss words. Seriously. When God swept through that land, and he, he sent revival, and they had to retrain the mules. And so that salt poison, salt promotes. It does. You know, salt creates thirst. It does. And so our lives ought to create a thirst to others to say, hey, I want, I want, I want what they got. What they got? Salt proves. Salt changes everything it touches. It changes food. If you put it on food, I love it. It changes ice. Right? You pour it on ice, it's going to melt it. And so it changes things. We ought to be the same. But however, looking at salt, it's very different than the action that light takes. We read our passage this morning. He said, you're the salt of the earth. And then he said, you're the light of the world. And so salt takes a different action than that. I mean, light takes a different action than that of salt does. And so, for example, salt is hidden. Hidden, right? Salt is hidden. Light is seen. It's just, just a few little, little overviews, just thinking about it. Salt works secretly, where light works openly. There's a difference. Salt works from within. Light works from without. Salt creates, light reveals. Right? And so there's difference, very different purposes, but according to Christ, we are to be both. And so one thing that they are alike in, though, is they both can change the world around them. And they both have changed the world around them. And so we would all probably agree both are necessary and needed in this world and also in each Christian. Can anybody in here, you country folks, can anybody in here live without salt, you think? I mean, your food would be bland and I love salt. And your body has to have it, actually, a certain percentage. 
Could anybody in here live without light? It'd be tough. It would be tough. And so we would all probably agree they're, they're necessary. But when based on the Christian life, they're necessary too. On that note, I'm going to preach this thought. Don't let your light get covered up. Don't let your light get covered up. Notice a few things I see in our text concerning light. Once you notice, number one, this light's ability. Verse 14, the Bible says in the beginning, Ye are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot, that is on a hill, cannot be hid. And so light really is amazing, an amazing thing. Think about when it was created. I can't even remember who created it, so y'all forgive me on that. Somebody help me. See, none of y'all remember it either. Uh, Thomas Edison, okay, he created light. And so that light, uh, just imagine, just think about how amazing light is. Uh, we'll look at a few common ways that light affects the world that we live in today. But it can also be put on a Christian standpoint of view, uh, just as the promotion of salt and the poisoning of salt and the penetrating of salt and that sort of stuff. Light is the same way. Number one, light overcomes darkness. Now, wherever there is at least a bit of light, darkness is forced to turn the other way and flee. And so you can be in the darkest place ever imaginable, uh, and then you light just a tiny little match, just a tiny little match in the darkest place, darkest cave, uh, and you light that tiny little match, it has the power to drive the darkness away. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely amazing, and so think about it. I mean, it just really blows my mind, but the same is true on the spiritual side. Uh, is that the Bible says in Psalm chapter 119 and 105, uh, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, that's what it is, and when the light enters the room, darkness has to flee. Uh, and you can bring light into the darkest of situations if you just shine a light on it. If you shine your light, you can bring light to it the darkest of situations. We can all say thank God for the light and I promise you're more happy if you have a flashlight while working on your truck in the middle of the night. Uh, um, why? Saves you from making mistakes. Saves you from making mistakes. So, so it is with your light. Shine it. Shine it. Light overcomes darkness. Secondly, light overturns dullness. Now, think about it. Winter, Think about all the things uh, of winter. It overturns dullness, okay? You know there's a lot of color in this world, right? But man, it's prettier in summer, ain't it? Think about it. Winter's not very pretty. Fall's pretty. Winter's not very pretty. You know why it's called fall? Everything falls. Isn't that amazing? I, I just, just a little tidbit for you. Anyways, think about it. It covers the dullness of that. And then also light overturns deadness. Now you think about it. Think about winter. Think about the deadness of the winter. All the dead leaves are on the ground. We understand all that. And it seems like everything goes slower. It gets darker sooner. I work from daylight to dark when I wouldn't in the summer. But you know that's, that's a little bit depressive. 
And so, so you think about that sort of stuff and, it, and, and think about when spring comes and light is shone and the warmth uh, is more ultimate and life becomes to grow uh, and comes back to things and life all around us, limbs uh, will begin to grow their leaves back and everything happens like that. You get what I'm saying? Uh, also, a dying plant, too, can be rejuvenated by shining a light. They're crazy. It's crazy. And so the, the warmth and the light gives life. I remember growing up. I remember when we had baby chickens, and those chickens were, for the first few weeks, had to have a light on top of them. You know what? They needed, they needed warmth, they needed light. They didn't have no feathers for the first few weeks. And they needed it. And so just as it is with babes is that they need the Word. The Word is a lamp and a light under my path. They need it more and more. And so they needed that to help them grow and to help them get bigger and better for the glory of God. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says, But if your gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And verse 4 tells us that, In whom this, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is is the image of God shining to them. It is absolutely the light of the glorious gospel. That's the only thing that saves people. And you know what, friend? This light of the gospel, the light works in a few ways, but this light of this gospel illuminated us so we could be able to see our position, but the light brought life to our deadness. And ye hath he quickened who were dead. And you're, isn't it amazing? In the Bible, amazing. Ye hath he quickened who are dead in your trespasses and sin. Now, when times past, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air. And so I'm telling you is that this life, uh, this light brought life to our deadness. Thank God. Beloved, I tell you, we must let our light shine in a dark and a dead world today. You know, he uses us, us as lights. Uh, and really, it's his light shining through us. But he uses that us to go and tell uh, um, this world about him. And so, so their deadness can be resurrected by his light. Yeah. It's important. It's important. Be a light. Light overturns deadness. Then light also outworks depressiveness. What do you think about this? Have you ever been in a cold? You men... Work outside. You ever been in a cold, gloomy, weary type of day working in the shade or something? Six degrees out there, but man, it's 40 back here. You know what I mean? We're working in the back of Western Carolina University in a hole, setting cast stones. We've been working there all week. And, well, mostly in... These things are 200 pounds, and it's, it's, it's 60 degrees out there, man, but back there it's about 30. I mean that. There's a wall on this side that goes all the way up. There's a wall on this side that goes all the way up. There's a wall on this side that goes all the way up, and there's a little pathway that goes down through there. Seriously. We had to get all the blocks in from the top. I'm telling you is that 
There's a lot. But sometimes on those days, it just seems like, man, there, I can't see nothing. There's no life down here. There's nothing. It is cold. But man, when I walk out in the sunlight, it's like, this is great. Wonderful weather. Let's take off our jackets. And so I'm telling you is that the sun appears and it suddenly becomes warmer and it just feels amazing. I sure have dealt with that. And all those cold and dreary, gloomy times, they just seem to disappear when, it, when that comes up. But guess what? This world can be a depressive place. It can be a depressive place, and not talking weather-wise, but I tell you, no matter how dark and dead and depressive it, it gets, when it's exposed to the light, it cannot hang around. Amen. That's how I feel when I come to God's house. Amen. Friends, I tell you, you may be the only light somebody sees tomorrow. Shine it bright. Shine it bright. So we see this light's ability. Secondly, I want you to notice this light's area. I want to sit here for a minute, okay? A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. How can we let our light be seen? Where can we let our light be seen? Okay? I ask you those two questions. How can we let our light be seen? And where can we let our light be seen? Everybody with me this morning? We see in this text there's a light of institution. It says a city on a hill cannot be hid. You would agree with me that a city is not a single light, right? It's not a single light, but it's many lights. It's many lights. And so when I was in New York, uh, when I was coming back from Scotland, I was in New York. Uh, you know, it wasn't dark when I got there, but when I left, it was dark. And... From JFK, it's not in the middle of the city, as you would think it would be. It's not in the middle of the city. But if you get over there and look through the windows, you can see the whole city. And it's humongous. And it's bright. It's very bright. And I tell you, I could look out and I could see all the lights and all the big buildings uh, and everything. Think about it. Atlanta is the same way. Charlotte, uh, all those places. We were just somewhere in Nashville the other day and same thing. And so those cities cannot be hidden. And this word light, listen. Two times translated in your King James Bible, this light means fire. It's a fire. And two that's two times. Think about it. Think about it. A community or a church that is on fire is on fire, shining their lights bright, uh, cannot be hidden. Amen. We ought to have an influence in our community. Amen. Our stand ought to stand out. Amen. Friend, when we make a stand as a church, this community ought to know about it. Our standards ought to stand out, friend. Amen. The way we dress, talk, act ought to stand out. This world should know you're a Christian by these characteristics. They should, friend. If they do not, there's a problem. Our style ought to stand out. Amen. I'm telling you, the way we worship, the way we witness, and the way we walk ought to stand out. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't like going to that. It's just too loud. And this, I've heard it all over. And Listen, it's God's design on how we worship. 
God does want you to shout. By the way, He does. I know I used to preach on a lot, but He does. He absolutely does. And I tell you, we claim the name. Some Too many people claim the name and remain the same. It, it's not. It's not God's will. Let's be honest. You can tell everything you need to know about the church by the preaching they have there, by the Bible that they use, by the songs that they sing, by the ad, a, activities that they engage in. Yeah. Is that right? Like a city set on a hill, we cannot be hidden. We cannot be hidden. We either declare our stand for Jesus Christ uh, and testify of His saving grace and His power uh, or we take our stand with the world. It cannot be both. At and out of Mountain Valley Baptist Church, we ought to be vocal, we ought to be visible, and we ought to be vibrant witnesses for our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not the only. Uh, you're not only holding the testimony of this church in your hands, but you're holding the testimony of Him in your hands. Uh, and friend, I tell you, uh, it is your own testimony, and it matters. It matters. Amen. 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 A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Then I want you to notice in verse 15. Not only is there the, sit, the light of the institution, neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So I want you to notice not only is there a candle, I mean, or, or the light of, in, uh, of, of institution, but there's also the light of individuality. There's light of individuality. I'm going to sit here for just a minute, okay? So I want everybody to just think about this. This is rightly divided scripture. Jesus goes on in verse 15 and speaks of the candle. The candle. This word translated candle, this speaks of illumination, okay? Speaks of illumination. And we all need to hear this well. And in those days, of course, they had no lights. You know that, right? There was no lights in those days. So they had to use candles and they had to use lamps. Luke chapter number 15, you find that there is this missing silver, right? There's the missing sun, there's the missing silver, and there's the missing sheep. So there's the missing silver. What is the first thing she does? She lights a light. And so, so she lights a light, and so um, they use candles and they use lamps in that day, and you, you, you had to see somehow, you had to, uh, but no one lit a candle and then put it under a bushel. That would be a crazy thing to do. Be crazy. It would be crazy, but it was just, it, it, it was just, it was used to see. So this verse is speaking about the power of the individual's believer's witness. And just as the church has a testimony, you do too. Jesus saved us to be the light of the world. Is that right? Amen. And as He shines His light through us and those around us who are in darkness should be able to um, help to see Him. Help to see Him. Uh, and so many people think they're fulfilling the call of, calling to be a witness uh, and when they head off the church house and maybe all that. Uh, and maybe some of you. But friend, I tell you is that when you come in here, it's to worship Him uh, and to be equipped to go out there. Yeah. 
When you step out those back doors, you're entering the mission field. And we are to go out from this, this, into this dark and dead and deceived and doomed world. Uh, and we are to tell them about a Savior who loves them. Uh, who cares for them and will save them if they would come to Him by faith. Uh, he will do it for them. And that's our mandate. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we to do, right? It's our mission. That's what he tells us for Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And as you, are you as an individual fulfilling God's call to be a light for him? There are a few things I'd like to pull out of a few verses here that will give you some insight of exactly what he's saying. So if I have to stop here, I'll stop here. But I'm going to sit here for a minute, okay? There's a few things that are mentioned. And I would like to look at those just for a second. Did you notice that Jesus spoke some of people who hid their candle under a bushel? Put it under a bushel. You know what a bushel is? According to... 1828 Webster's Dictionary, it's a dry measure. It's containing eight gallons. So it is something that is used to measure. We understand that. I used to work on a farm and we used to measure in bushels. Measuring, there, meaning there had to be a picking before there was a measure. They would also, in those days, they would trade. They would trade, you know, a bushel of this for a bushel of that and so on and so on to make ends meet and that sort of stuff. And it would be used, it would be used as a form of business. Y'all with me, right? So we see the business which speaks of laboring. Jesus said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. And so Jesus was telling us here uh, um, that we could not allow business making money or laboring or any of those things to cover our light, to damper our fire, to do all of those things. And I believe we ought to work, and you do too. Uh, the Bible says that a man who, who won't work ought not eat. Uh, and that's the Bible, and I understand that. Uh, um, but I tell you, it goes not under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Is that right? We've, we're rightly divided in the Scripture right now. Uh, and so, uh, not under the bushel. Can everybody look with me? We understand Revelation chapter 3. I'm just going to read a verse to you. Just real quick. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now those candlesticks, we learned last week that he's writing to the churches of Asia. And those candlesticks are the churches. Now let's look back in tabernacle times, okay? If we were to look back in tabernacle times, if you walk into the first covered place, you would find that in that covered place, which the, the, you would find directly ahead, you would find the altar of incense. To your right, you would find the table of showbread. 
It's 12. 6 and 6, representing the scriptures, by the way. And then on the left side, you'd find what? Does anybody know? A candlestick with seven of them. If they walked into that tabernacle, they would not be able to see the word of God illuminated in their life. Unless the candlestick was lit. And just as us, we are that way. It tells us that the candlestick speaks of the church and how the church is illuminating uh, on the Word of God. uh, How the Word of God is to be lifted up. And so when you labor in your business uh, and becomes to damper your life and your fire in the church, you have a problem. And when you sit in church and think about business, you got a problem. You come to church on Wednesday night and the preacher gets up there and uh, preaches his guts out. And I'm telling you, get up there and don't move because you're tired from work and thinking you got what you got to do tomorrow. Everybody with me? It's a God's honest truth. It's a God's honest truth. Listen to me. I tell you, Jesus said that they don't put their light under the bushel. They don't do that. Don't let your business uh, and your laboring put out your light. If you're too busy for God, then you're too busy. It's God's honest truth, friend. I tell you, listen, if your business and laboring causes you to be interrupted by letting your fire and light burn in the candlestick in the church, uh, um, then you need to get another job. If it's hindering you from laboring in the candlestick and for worshiping and for shining your light and holding the fire in the candlestick, then you need to get another job. You'll never convince me that it's God's will to let your job rob you of your fire. Never. I've seen it. I've seen it in this church. I've seen people who used to be on fire for God and some of them who actually said this. They said, I'm getting closer to the preacher. I'm moving up pews to the preacher because the closer I am. Remember, I preached on that, but the closer I am to God, the better I'm going to be. And I'm not God, and that's not what I'm saying. But they would move up pews and that sort of stuff. You know you know the, the, the trend there for a little while. But I'm telling you is that the worse they got, they got farther and farther back. And it was always their job that moved them that way. Farther and farther back, and guess what? They ended back there where McKenzie was sitting, and then they were out the door. It was their job every time. Every time. I'm telling you, the business speaks of laboring. And then, Mark chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus is giving this parable again, and he says, And he said unto them, As a candle brought to be put under the bushel, That's the business, the laboring. Or under a bed. And not be set on a candlestick. That's scripture. Mark 4.21, that's scripture. So not only is it speaking of the business and the laboring, but it's speaking of the bed and the laziness. I'll tell you something, some are too busy and some are too lazy to let their light shine. Uh, That's what Jesus is saying and I've never seen a single person. I've never seen a single person uh, who was lazy and was on fire for God. 
I've never, ever, ever seen it, and you won't either, friend. Uh, somebody who is lazy and consistently on fire for God, uh, and if you're lazy in a physical sense, you'll be lazy in a spiritual sense too. It's the truth, friend. You'll never stay on fire for God if you're lazy. And then we can go a little farther and find in Luke chapter 11, verse 33, not only is the bad, the laziness, or the, or the business and the labor, but it's also, he mentions there, he says uh, in Luke 11, verse 33, No man, when he hath lighteth a light, putteth it in a secret place. Putteth it in a secret place. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you look up in the Strong's Concordance, uh, that, that word, uh, the secret place, actually means, uh, it means a sailor. It means a vault. It means a basement. Women, you need to hear this too this morning. Because it's your job to stay lit up for God too. It's not just your husband's job. Amen. I don't care. It's not just your husband's job. It's your job to stay lit on for God too. And I've seen more women in this church lose their light than men. You know why? Because women had their light to begin with and they were fully on lit. They were lit up for God. But I've seen some women lose their light, lose their light, lose their joy, lose everything they have all for the sake of what? Jobs, children, everything you can think of. They lose their light for that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's a balance. But this one here, this secret place is speaking of the basement. It speaks of low living. And so if we think about that, uh, it, it speaks of low living and buried in the world and wrapped up in the world. Uh, and let me just tell you this morning, you'll not live all week like the world uh, and then uh, come to church and be on fire for God on Sunday. Uh, you'll never, ever, ever succeed with that life. Uh, you can take what you want and fake it all you want to, uh, but you will do nothing for God. Uh, um, you can have low living in the church uh, and have the light in the church on the next day. You'll never ever do it. And I'm telling you the God's honest truth. It will not work. And Jesus seems to be saying that some people are too busy. Some people are too lazy. And some people are too loose to let their light shine and their fire shine for God. And the problem is with this world is we have let our fire go out in the candlestick. In the candlestick. Why is there so much darkness in the world? Uh, because the candlestick has let their fire go out. That's why. That's why. We need women and men who have stand uh, for the things of God. We need that. I'm telling you, friend, this light's area. It's individually. You have a lot to do, and you need to do something with it. Amen. I'm done. The light's aim. I'm beginning to close at least. I ain't going to tell you I'm done because I might not be done, but I'm beginning to close. And so there's two things I need you to see out of this. Verse number 16. The Bible says, Let your lights so shine before men they may see your good works. Glorify the Father which is in heaven. So it's this. There's two things that need to see. There's two areas that you need to see in there that the light is supposed to aim towards, the intention of the light. Number one, there is your light is to be a witness to the lost. 
He says, let your light so shine before men. Right? Before men. And so when lost people see the light of Jesus shining through your lives of the redeemed child of God, uh, they will take notice of it. No, we will not. We will, we will all have works. And, and I understand that. But Jesus mentioned here good works. He didn't just mention works. He didn't mention your works. He didn't mention my works. But he mentioned good works. And that's what he did. What are good works? Jesus' work, good works are those things which are produced through you by the faith in the Spirit of God. Good works, uh, okay? As I yield myself to Jesus Christ and He lives in my life uh, through me, He lives through me, I prove to the world that my profession of faith is real. So where that? James chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says, Yeah, man may say, I have, uh, thou hast faith and I have works. Uh, show me thy faith without thy works and I'll show thou my faith by my works. By my works. Don't just say have faith to them. I'll just say that. It says, man, yeah, man, man may be destitute of daily food and clothes and so on. He's been naked. So what's any good for you just saying, uh, be warmed? And what, 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 be warmed? That's like saying, hey, just have faith, but then not helping them get through their problems. You may be the only Bible they ever see. You better be a good one. You better be a light, friend. You better be a light. The light is a witness to the lost. Lastly, I'm done. The light is worship to the Lord. The Bible says that the Father in heaven, which is, I mean, the Father. And you glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So uh, there's no greater thing for a born-again believer uh, than reflecting the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no better thing, there's no more powerful testimony um, than a life which displays the proof of His presence in their life. There's no better thing. Galatians chapter 5 verse 23 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is this love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And it goes on to tell us there's peace. I mean, there's some... There's um, gentleness, there's meekness, there's temperance. Against there is no such law. And it just goes on, but it says, They that are crucified with Christ have crucified the flesh thereof, the lust thereof. You will show them if you have been crucified with Christ in your walk. Simple. Verse 24, the Bible tells us that they that have been crucified with Christ. You say, Preacher, I don't know how to witness to them. Just tell them what he did for you. If he saved you, tell him what he did for you. A light doesn't exist to draw attention to itself, but the light exists rather to illuminate the view to see something else. That's what light is, right? You don't just cut on light and look at the light. It doesn't draw attention to itself, but it draws attention to other things. And that's what your light's supposed to be doing this morning. Drawing attention to him. That's what it's supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be drawing attention to Him. Beloved, our witness does not magnify what we have done. Our testimony is about a great God uh, who loved us and saved us when we were unlovable and unsavable uh, and deserved damnation. Uh, That's what it is. Our aim should be to draw people to Him. That's it, man. That's it, I'm telling you. What are you going to do with your light, your fire? What are you going to do with it? And by the way, just a quick tidbit, I'm done. 
Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, mentions the seven stars, right? You know what a star is? Just a big chunk of light. And man, you know what a star is there in the passage? Pastor, we ought to go, this is for me too. Ought to be shining my light. But if our light don't work together, this church is going to go out. It's going to go out. It's going to burn out. Preachers used to say, man, I would rather burn out than rust out. I don't care you're still out both ways. I don't want to be out either way. I want to let my light so shine for Him that it may glorify the Father which is in heaven. Are you going to continue to let it cover up by the business, by the burdens, and by the bed, and by all of those things? Are you going to continue the basement? Is the candlestick the church going to benefit or become burden for you? Which one is it going to be this morning? If all our lights go out, the candlestick will begin to not be burning. God help us. Don't let your light get covered up. Could we stand to our feet this morning? I'm going to open up the altar. That's what I'm going to do. And um, that's what we're going to do. And I'm just going just to ask you. Listen, is your light covered up by something? Is your light covered up by something? The only way the candlestick can stay burning is if your light is shining. That's the only way the candlestick can stay burning. And it's up to us, friend. It is up to us completely. Yes. And man, you cannot tell me everybody in here is who they used to be. The same fire they used to have. You can't. Including myself. And I'm telling you this morning, we must... We must, we must stay on fire for God. We must. There's a time in this world right now, friend, I tell you so clearly there's a time in this world where Jesus is coming back. And man, if we're not burning right now, friend, how are we going to be? How are we going to be?